Hey there, Perfect Movie listeners. The episode you're about to hear was released one year ago this month on the bonus disc. That's the Patreon feed of the two Gomers. Our Patreon subscribers, we call them Gomertrons, get brand new episodes of Perfect Movie every month, plus the results show for every movie and additional bonus apps each week. But we figure a year has gone by. It's all right. We can start releasing these main apps to this feed so the public can hear them. If you want to stay up to date and hear these Perfect Movie episodes a year in advance, live, basically, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash twogomers to subscribe to the bonus disc. And if you like what you hear on Perfect Movie, you should check out Runner's Block. That's our health podcast where we chase big goals by confronting one barrier at a time. You can find Runner's Block wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, here's the episode. Enjoy. Happy listening. When John Lewis was 15 years old and living in rural Alabama, he was given a copy of Martin Luther King and the Montgomery Story, a 10-cent comic book that had a profound impact on his life. The book introduced Lewis to Dr. King and taught the philosophy and discipline of nonviolent protest that led to both local and national justice and change. Over 50 years later, while working on his 2008 re-election campaign to Congress, Lewis told his telecommunications aide, Andrew Aiden, about the Montgomery story and its influence. Inspired, Aiden suggested to Congressman Lewis that he write his own comic book about his life and activism, culminating with the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, named after a member of the Ku Klux Klan, all the way to the state capitol building 50 miles away. It could, the aide argued, function not only as an incredible tool in teaching the next generation about the civil rights movement, but could also act as a spiritual sequel to MLK's Montgomery story. The graphic novel March, written by John Lewis and Andrew Aiden and illustrated by Nate Powell, was released in three volumes and won the National Book Award in 2015. That same year, director Ava DuVernay used the first-hand accounts and stunning visuals from both books, King's Montgomery Story and Lewis's March, to bring the story of that same protest to life on screen. We're the two gomers, we're talking Selma, and this is the series two premiere of Perfect Movie. Welcome, everybody, to Perfect Movie, a podcast where two regular guys try to save the universe one great film at a time. This is Anthony speaking, one of those two aforementioned gomers coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, with my friend Stephen, all the way out in Flagstaff, Arizona. So I, j- I just want to be clear. We're, we're calling this Series 2. Yep. Because we want to be cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like British people. Is that right? right? Yeah, we want to be British. Like, instead of calling it, like... First Timothy, we're calling it two Timothy. I or, see. Wait, so what? one Timothy. 
<laughs> oh yeah, that would make even less sense. I just want to make sure we're on the same page as far as this is a pretentious thing we're doing. We both agree that we're doing it, even if it confuses people. We're yep. embracing the series two ness of Dude, perfect. It's movie. fun. Yeah. Hey, how how often do we get to have our own series, like a movie series? So we're we're going all in because we're not pretentious in any other way. No. So, but in this let's way, do it. Yeah. Let's just let's go. It. <laughs> Okay, this is the premiere, mm-hmm. series premiere of Perfect Movie Series 2. Right. Um, and we've got a big one on the docket. We're starting out with a bang. Selma's coming up. We're putting Selma yeah. on trial, which sounds a little <laughs> strange, but we are. Um, and you texted me. I mean, you texted me earlier today. You're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this episode because you said you had watched Selma and Good Trouble. Yeah. But, and yeah, cried so, through the whole, both of them, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I started Good Trouble back mm-hmm. in in August. We were we were actually originally going to record this back in August, um, right. and then the we just kind of shifted the schedule around so that we would right. release it um, around Martin Luther King Day. We thought that would actually be pretty pretty great. Um, yep. So I started watching Good Trouble then because mm-hmm. we had been watching a bunch of movies this summer. Just learning a ton, really taking a deep dive um, yeah. into opening up the iris and hearing other artists' stories and hearing mm-hmm. other people's stories. Um, and so I started watching Good Trouble. Yeah. Uh, got to the Selma Bridge mm-hmm. part, which is like three minutes in, and lost it. Just, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah. like started weeping. Mm-hmm. And that we started weeping in like in June. Right. I mean, this was a really, really hard summer. Yeah. Uh, and so then just in researching this, these two movies, um, yeah, it's, it's been, an, uh, I mean, just, just learning, just seeing has been extremely emotional. Yeah. Um, so. So here's what I thought we'd start with then. Something light. Okay. Series two, starting series two. First, first piece of agenda First mm-hmm. item on the list is we got to figure out what aliens are we converting, right? This, okay, so this this time around, so we've already convert, or I'm I'm assuming we've launched. We launched our yep. old list. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Off to convert the xenomorphs into good little yep. boys and girls. Yep, those guys are bad. Right, but now they're good. Um, if if you're if you don't know what we're talking about, our season one list of perfect movies we sent up to the xenomorphs from Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. To try to convert them into not being so like just really bad with acid blood and stuff, oh, and boy, so hopefully so they enjoyed bad. it. Those, th- those guys are so bad, <laughs> <laughs> right? Treat or yeah. face hugging. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know who we're sending this list to. Series two. Okay, I've got a pitch for you. Okay. Okay, I was thinking about this. We had talked about maybe Klingons, but we already know that they're kind of good because of yep. Next Generation. Um, I was thinking about the Huts. Like just sending it to like Tatooine and Jabba and okay. all those bad, all those bad aliens. Yep. Um, the, the the what's that Tom Cruise movie I can never remember the the name of? Oh, Edge <laughs> of Tomorrow. Those aliens are bad. Yeah, totally. Groundhog Day style. They need to see Groundhog Day. Um, oh yeah. But that, but that Too was late. On, we already launched that. Shoot, that was on the first series of Perfect Movie. Um, <laughs> right. I like the Huts because he's a couch potato man, right? <laughs> oh, Runky that's Patunky. true. Or not Runky Patunky, what? Han Mabugi. Han Mabugi. Right? Han yeah. Mabugi. Han Mabugi needs, yeah. Okay. I think we should send so, it to the Huts. 
here's my big pitch. Okay. The aliens from Independence Day. Mm. Yep. These guys are bad news. Yeah. They they they're little tiny they're little guys right and but they ride they like have exoskeletons and they're always reading the president's mind and making him freak out. They're <laughs> d- they're destroying entire cities with laser beams. Here's yeah. why I think I, we should convert it because mm. I like the idea of giving Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith a flash drive. Mm. Yeah, and then they fly up. Yep. And it's not going to take very long. This this thing about the xenomorphs, we're not going to know if that's actually happened for a long time because they're far away. Independence right. Day aliens, they're right there. Jeff Goldblum and <laughs> Will Smith are at our fingertips. All we need to do is give them the flash drive. All and right. then they fly up, insert it in. Yep. Good little girls and boys. I like it. And they stop destroying all the major cities in the in the world. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I love the easy access of it and that you can like really visualize what it looks like. Because they yeah. did, they already do go and plug in there, right? Right. Which that's what I was thinking. They do yeah. plug in. They plug in there something that is impossible to do between a right. Mac and a PC. They right. plug in something and it goes into their system. <laughs> they have that. Remember the Firewire 400 to USB like right. adapter? That's what they. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, let's get, let's give that a whirl. We'll see we'll see how it feels, but I, I think I think I like the accessibility and the fact that you actually in that movie see them yes. giving the aliens something. And it means we get to talk about that movie a lot and maybe do that mm-hmm. on the on the podcast. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that. for sure. Okay, I dig Okay. It. So, now that that's out of the way, yep. We we want to get into Selma. Mhm. Um you you got a one sheet on you? Some, yeah, the, some totally. things never change. We've still got the one sheet. We've got some a trailer. Some things never change. Never change. Um, okay, yeah. So we got the Gomer one sheet, the scribblings of a madman. I have been getting better at <laughs> writing more um, legibly. Uh, okay. This so. is pretty scribbly. I mean, Nation, yeah, if this you could see this, actually, it's there's pretty actually, scribbly. <laughs> there's actually chicken scratchings. There's typos. That's true. Uh, I mean, one thing that is new is that you have begun to stamp Stamp them with our new two Gomer stamp. Mm. Isn't that look official? So when, yeah, when you send me the picture of this, which is some are grainier than others, and this one is sort of bent up a little bit, <laughs> but there's always that stamp now for the past several. I think you started that on the "It's a Wonderful Life" episode. Um, yeah, it makes but it feel I, I like seeing that stamp official. It's almost notarized, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, maybe I should do that. Bring it to the notary. Notary mm. public, notary republic, notary, notary public. public. Yeah, you mean so that before we can record an episode, I need to see that it's notarized. Yeah, <laughs> it's official. What would I even say? Like, if I need this notarized, like, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, we have to give it to Will Smith and that's Jeff true. Bloom. <laughs> that's true. Um, actually, the Chad, he is a notary, mm. or he's. Oh, that's right. What are you a member of the notary public? I don't. Do you go to Banana Republic? No, I, <laughs> I think those are <laughs> like, two different things. But I do think that I, I, I guess I don't know. Can you? Can any civilian become a notary public? Yeah, I, I want to be one. Yeah, I mean, you can notarize your own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually don't think you can. I think that's illegal. That's right. You, but <laughs> you have to go to another right. Like yeah. Right. 
Okay, so that's that's something to look into, becoming a member of the notary public and yeah. also being able to marry people, which you probably can, actually. Well, yeah, uh, no, I can't. I mean, I can perform the ceremony, but I can't sign the papers. Okay, you need a notary for that. <laughs> <laughs> or you need to be like, uh, sir, to any pastor in the crowd, can you sign this? Right. <laughs> okay, so this is not notarized, um, but it is stamped. Yep. So this movie did come out. Selma did come out uh, in 2014, limited release, but official right. release date according to IMDb, January 9th, mm -hmm. 2015. Right. Right on the heels of Force Awakens. Um, or yep. That's right. It's either. No, no, no. It's no, no. That December 2015 was Force Awakens. Okay. I was wondering because that was top box office because I wasn't sure if that's because it came out in December and then like bled over into. Yeah, you know I, mean? I know what you mean. No, I remember 2015, but we had seen the trailer by by this time for Got Force it. Awakens. So we had we were high on Star Wars at this point. Okay. Um, budget, $20 million. Mm -hmm. uh, grossed yep. at the box office, 52 million US, 66.7 million worldwide. Um, mm. It did garner one Oscar, uh, Best Original Song, Glory, uh, oh, right. by yeah. John Legend and Common. Mm -hmm. um, also won the Golden Globe for that song. Um, that's the song you hear at the credits. So amazing. John Legend. Man, dude, that dude's voice. Dang. Tell me about it. Like, I just, love it. Yep. He did a song with Lecrae this summer. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Awesome, um, and Common is in the movie, right? Yep. I love it when totally. an actor in the movie is, I mean, this happens probably a lot, yeah. right? If you yeah. get a musical artist in the movie acting, yeah. um, that they, they also always, sing yeah. the song over the credits. They, that, I wonder if that's part of like the contract. Yeah. Sure, I, I think it is. It, it, it must yeah. be because that happens like if, yeah, if there's ever, if that ever happens totally. Um, yep. We should have we thought of that and came up with some examples, but it happens. Oh Wait, yeah, we is, know what happens. Is, Trust us. Is is Madonna? Does she have a song in League of Their Own? Yes. Welcome to my playground. Yes. See, I bet she has a song at the end of Dick Tracy too. But that's the one I was thinking of. Of course, okay. Madonna. <laughs> it's right a, in a League of Their Own. Yep. Totally. And then Adam, uh, what's his name after 2012? Um, Adam Levine. Adam Levine? Does he sing a song <laughs> over the credits? Future Anthony. It was Adam Lambert, not Adam Levine. What did you think? It was Maroon 5 or something? Yeah, it's like, wow! <laughs> totally. After 2012, I remember being in the theater, like, everything's exploded, and then that song comes on. Um, Perfect. It Okay, so this was nominated for Best Picture. Um, mm -hmm. Both Golden Globe and Oscar um, did not win. Um, also nominated for Best Director and Actor um, in but didn't the Golden Ava, Globes. didn't Ava DuVernay win Best Director, the Golden Globe? I think maybe she uh, did. I could be wrong. I don't think so. I mean, according to my, according to my research. <laughs> according uh, to this scribblings of a madman, <laughs> there's no info to indicate that. <laughs> it's not on the that sheet. <laughs> Um, I did look it up and uh, okay. did anybody, I hope somebody got that, um, school bus, um, right on the magic school bus, uh, quote there. Did you get that? No, I, I didn't get it. I missed it. Okay. That's according to my research. Um, that's for the magic school bus listeners out is that there. Something Miss Frizz. What is her name? Miss Frizzle. Ms. Is that Frizzle? what she says? No way. Yeah. Oh, did you know Lin-Manuel Miranda did the, the new version 
No. We love the new version. We love the old version and we love the new version. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Theo yeah, I didn't know that. crushing it at the end. Mm. Oh, yeah. Theo Huxtable. Yep. <laughs> love him. Mal Malcolm, Malcolm Jamal, Jamal Werner. Werner. Remember, yep. he came to one of our ASO chamber concerts. There's like oh, yeah. 50 people in the audience. And we looked up and we're uh -huh. like, whoa. Malcolm Jamal Werner is here. Theo. Yeah, with his daughter and his wife. It was so awesome. We all took a picture with him. Super cool. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, this movie also, just Rotten Tomatoes, which, you know, we're in series two now. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't mean crap. But <laughs> oh, wow. A hot take. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what? Well, critics, it does. Critics, it does. But audience score, what does that, I mean, I, I have been thinking about this a lot lately. So it does get 99% yeah. critics. Sorry, I forgot to say 99% critic, 86% right. audience. This is sort of like I have a friend that has a store and he's like Yelp mm -hmm. reviews. Yeah. He's like, he's like, they're so difficult. They're so finicky. It's all big marketing and and like depending on how you advertise and stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm curious as we start series two, we, we need to look more into well, I've done, yeah, I've done some research on Rotten Tomatoes, and my understanding it, my understanding is it's a pass-fail system. That okay. If it, with critics, if they sort of like it, even it gets a pass, and if they sort of don't, it gets a fail. And so there's no okay. nuance in that, right? You, you, sure. I think there are other places you could go to get a more accurate: is this movie good or not? Right. I mean, we've had all these things where we're like, why is the critic score so much higher than the audience and vice versa and we're, i'm right it, well yeah nobody has an critic, answer to that critic kind of makes sense but the audience yeah. score i really don't get yep i agree dumb but <laughs> wow either way audiences love this movie 86 percent the ones that yep. were pulled so that's good i mean it yeah. usually actually lines up i mean but something like dumb and dumber mm -hmm. that was real low but then creeps up over the years i also don't know how that makes any sense either and then like how does it's a wonderful life have a rotten tomato score like we talked about <laughs> right, like exactly is this some sort of it's always existed and always will exist the <laughs> rotten tomato score right well in like a yelp review if something's three yeah. and a half stars or less we don't go to that restaurant if you see that green splat you're like i don't know man is this movie I know, good i know Wonder so Woman it's 84. one of these things that probably has too much influence over our lives we don't understand and it's probably dumb right it's a weird algorithm that that uh, tells you what what you're supposed to like and not like, right? I, I think I think that we can say this was this movie was very well liked by critics and by audiences alike. How okay, about the, that? The, none of that had anything to do with Selma. That was just a quick <laughs> rant on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Totally, we we know this movie is incredible. So yeah, there you yep. go. Um, anything else on that one sheet before I read the back no, of the box? I, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, it, I was surprised that it was, um, six years ago. Yeah, me too. I thought it was more recent. And if you look though, like we're in 2021 now and this yeah. was filmed in 2014, we're going to talk yeah. about this a bunch in the trial. Um, mm -hmm. but it is so unbelievably relevant. It just it could, incredible. Could have been made yesterday and yeah. we need everybody to see it today you know what i mean so yeah and and okay we'll get to it in the trial i, okay. I have a lot yep. more to say about that but yeah i mean great and we have a guest that's going to speak to that too yep but yeah you're right we've had movies like this before where we're like 
I cannot believe this movie was made 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's like it could have been made today and it speaks to yeah. what's happening. Yeah, pretty incredible. Totally. Okay, yeah. let me read the back of the box. I'm reading the back of a Blu-ray. I could not find a VHS copy of Selma. Okay. Here's what it says. The unforgettable true story chronicles to the tumultuous three-month period in 1965 when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. led a dangerous campaign to secure equal voting rights in the face of violent opposition. The epic march from Selma to Montgomery culminated in President Johnson signing the Voting Rights Act of 1965, one of the most significant victories for the civil rights movement. Let me just say, that's a bit dry, Mm. (laughs) this this synopsis. It's like... Just in case, I mean, it's it's interesting that they would do that on the back of the box. It's like just in case you don't know the historical context, here it is. It just it just seemed a little bit odd to me as a um, honey. Right. Let's rent this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, good news, nation. It's in color. PG thirteen. Mm. Um, hundred twenty eight minutes. Mm hmm. Kind of long, kind of long for Steven's taste, but actually this one did not feel that way to me. I've watched no it way. three times now. I've never been bored once. Totally. It's incredible. Uh, yep. I mean, you know, it's actually quite concise, I thought. Like, mm-hmm. I, it never felt to me long. And I mean, that's that's a long standing thing. You don't like movies yep. that are more than 120 minutes. Um, <laughs> I want as much as possible. Although I am, I am changing my opinion on that a little bit um, in okay. my simplicity practice like oh, does sure. that scene oh. like does mm. does that scene in wonder woman 84 need to be there like mm, that you, i love this so loaded if junk. you could if you could move <laughs> your simplicity word over into your movie watching <laughs> ooh, my ears are perked yeah um hey let me play okay so oprah was a major producer on this movie i noticed that harpo productions right that's her company yep Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess like they had been trying to get this movie going for like a really long time, like even all the way back to like 2007. Yeah. Um, and finally, she was one of the one of the pieces they were filming. The Butler. Um, that was also David Oyelowo and Oprah, and he oh, told okay, yeah. her about this story that they're. This is according to the to the bone. I I actually bought the movie and watched the extra features because I love okay. that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess he showed her like his tape of uh, doing like a speech of Martin Luther King yeah. Jr.'s, and she was like, "That's good." She's like, "Let's huh. tweak that a little bit," because he's a British actor, right? I, I mean, I that is know. constantly shocking to me while I'm watching this movie. Totally, we just saw him in um, this George Clooney space movie that's now on Netflix with the blandest name. I can't even remember what it's oh. Midnight Sky or something like that. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And David Oyelowo in it is fine. Mm-hmm. It's just the the just the pinnacle of a fine movie mm-hmm. that if they had just called me, I could have cut a half an hour out of. But he's <laughs> full on British dude in that movie. Huh. And so, but this like, not only is he playing an American, a Southerner, but he's mm-hmm. playing Martin Luther King, who has a very particular yes. way of speaking. Right it is just incredible. Yeah, no, his his acting is amazing. He said mm-hmm. um, that he went for the spirit of him, not okay. an imitation, which I thought was actually really cool. Like, you know, yeah. like an imitation can almost become like a, a caricature or something like that, especially if it's not yep. good. 
Um, so yeah, he said he went right. for the spirit as opposed to like trying to copy every single, you know, like way of his way mm-hmm. of his voice, you know, way of his speaking or like, you know, so. Um, oh, man. It's anyways. just like when, you know, when Luke shows up at the end of Mandalorian. Yeah. It's so close that it bothers you. They should have just hired an actor to do that's, that's what an I interpretation. Said. That's of what I Luke. said. Yeah, exactly. Have a new actor play Luke, yep. play young Luke, even though we mm-hmm. knew young Luke. Why does he look different? Doesn't matter. <laughs> like they do that in in uh, uh, X Men all the time. They just have different yeah. actors. So it's like, um, now how many X Men movies have I seen? One. Maybe two. No, but, but you should not have said that because the thing that you just said was so accurate. You could have pretended yes. you've seen all of the X Men movies. Yeah, I'm a total X file. Um, but exactly, if 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 David Oyelowo had done a like as close as he could a caricature, like you're saying, yep. right? Mm-hmm, it would have mm-hmm. felt weird. Right. And so, um, just just do. I love that. I didn't know. I hadn't heard that. That that was kind of his the spirit of MLK. It worked yeah. great. I, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Let me play. So anyways, he got Oprah involved and mm-hmm. and then like, man, she, her production company, she's just, she's a powerhouse, like producer. Yeah, there's there's money know. there. Come on. Yep. She's Oprah. Like she can yep. basically do whatever she wants. Um, so it's like Oprah's on board. Boom. Um, so here, I just yeah. wanted to play this uh, before we play the trailer. The reason I said mm-hmm. yes to this movie is because I think you cannot know where you're going as a people, unless you know where you've been. I am very much aware of the history and how that history is embodied within my own self. So to be able to tell the stories that allow other people to not just see it, but to feel it, it's um, aligning yourself with other producers who understand what that is, who also want to create and tell the stories in such a way that uplift the history and embolden ourselves as a people and as a culture. Mm. And she invented Gomer's favorite things. Pretty good. Yeah, dude. She's she basically <laughs> runs runs the world, the media. So Yeah. I mean, she's she's one of these probably people that if you want to get something done and she's on your side, mm-hmm. Selma happens, right? Yep. So she's Yeah. Totally. It, good news. I just have some good news before I Play the trailer. Okay. Gomer one sheet was correct. Yes. She did not win. Um, she did not win, but she was nominated for best yeah. director. Ava DuVernay. Oh, you know what? I did read that, and I didn't write that down, and I'm super sorry about that. And also, I'm <laughs> no, not cheering no, that she I'm didn't win. You she should have won. Job. She, okay, good. She's incredible. <laughs> and yeah. her behind, behind the scene features rule. She also was a producer okay. on Thirteenth. Which right. I think was her most recent project from this summer. Well, or no? She, um, no, 13th was several summers ago. And then she got, well, with a massive godlike Oprah, she got Wrinkle in Time. And I say that because okay. Oprah is, it, <laughs> I mean, Wrinkle in Time is not a good movie. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's got some things going for it, like Captain Kirk. Chris Pine, the most handsome of men, is in it. But also, I, th- I think she's 30 feet tall, Oprah, in this movie. And yeah. it's just like, well, she did it. She, she finally became her best self. She's a 30-foot-tall 30, 30 goddess. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, let's listen to the trailer, get into the movie a little bit, then we're going to move to the trial. Can't, I've been waiting, like, like Anthony said, we've been waiting since August to talk about this movie. I'm yeah. so excited. Awesome. He's got supporters. Detroit, New York, Los Angeles, inciting large-scale arrests and sympathy marches. I'm very aware of that, Mr. Hoover. What I do know is he's nonviolent. What I need to know right now, what's Martin Luther King about to do next? Mr. President, Dr. King is here. Mr. President, in the South, there have been thousands of racially motivated murders. We need your help, Dr. King. This thing's just gonna have to wait. It cannot wait. You got one big issue, I got 101. Summer it is. Here is the next great battle. Sound was the place, and they read it. Dr. King! I tell you, that white boy can hit. You will not tolerate agitators attempting to orchestrate a disturbance in this state. It is unacceptable that they use their power to keep us voiceless. Those that have gone before us say no more. People actually say they're going to kill our children. They're trying to get inside of your head. What happens when a man stands up, says enough is enough? We built the path as we came, rock by rock. This sale is probably bugged. <laughs> it probably is. We must march. We must stand up. You march those people into rural Alabama, it's got to be open season. May I have a word? There's no word to be had. The people. The people. The people. There are 70 million people watching. These pictures are going around the world. We must make a massive demonstration. White, black, and otherwise. Come to some. I heard about the attack of innocent people. I couldn't just stand by. Looks like an army out there. This revolution goes on and on. This revolution goes on and on. When a man stands up, says enough is enough. All rise. Hey, how's it going over there? Welcome to series two. That sounds so pretentious. Why can't you just call it season two like any normal American? <laughs> There's always this thing in us where we're like, we're doing a really serious movie, Selma. And so let's like, we got to buckle down and be super serious. And then there's just then, we can't totally do that because we have that in the middle of our episode. <laughs> it breaks it up. It breaks it up. Hey, by yeah. the way, mm -hmm. let me show you this Christmas present I got. Oh. So this, that's some so, sort of like cozy. Yeah, it's a koozie. Um, it's by Yeti. Um, which is like this, uh, I, I just wanted to, you, you to see me putting it in there so you don't think it's a beer. But dude, just like the ember keeps oh, your tea hot, wow. this, like, dude, this keeps cans of soda or uh, seltzer water cold. Like, Wait, for, I mean, is, is it like incredible. a smart thing too? You can control it with mm. your phone like the ember? No. Oh, okay. No, you got me excited. Smart. That's okay. not smart. But that's cool. It's, it's like one of the, it's like one of these, um. One of these like fancy metal bottles, but you put you can put your actual soda can into it. Right. So it rocks. 
Very cool. And then we're like, we're not going to go on any tangents. And then we talk for 10 minutes about your new soda can. Right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, so Yeti. let's do this. Here's how it works. I'm assuming people are on series two. This maybe isn't their first step, but maybe it is. We pick a movie that we love. We yep. put it on trial and we act as its defense counsel. Um, and we present a couple pieces of evidence of peace to attempt to prove to you, our listener, and to one another and to ourselves that today's movie is perfect. When we're done, uh, we put up a poll online on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All You can find all those at Two Gomers. And you vote, the listener, and you help us decide whether or not this is a perfect movie. And then, like we said, if it is, if it's three for three, goes on a flash drive, give it to Will Smith, brings it up to them aliens, they all become good boys and girls. Yes. Awesome, dude. Love it. All right. Let's jump right in. Okay. Do you, do you want to start? Do you want to bring a piece of evidence right away? Yeah, man. All right. I'm going to come right in. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. When you hear that sound, if you're new, that means mm -hmm. we've got a piece of evidence as yes. to why this is a perfect movie. Yep. So I'm chunking in right away. Uh, yes. My first piece of evidence is, um, so this is according to one of the producers, uh -huh. the director wanted this movie not to just be a history lesson, but right. to be like cinematic. Yeah. To be like, and so this is very much like along the lines of what Oprah said in that little clip that we played before the trailer, mm -hmm. which is, I think like almost more than anything, we need to see, hear, and feel mm. what it was like. Yeah. Um, in order to learn, right? Like we, we, if we don't learn our history, we're doomed uh -huh. to repeat it, right? Right. And I just feel like the medium of cinema, uh, just it, it's so like we, we say this word all the time, but it's so visceral. Right. Like it was, it was really hard to watch. I yeah. mean, it, it, it reminds me in that sense of like Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. um, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I was going to um, say the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. I, yeah. I, I think that th there's a different way that Saving Private Ryan shows violence. Mm -hmm. Well, no, actually, no, that scene when they're crossing the bridge for the first time. Yeah. I, I, I guess I was thinking of the opening scene with the four girls. They cut away from the girls. Yeah, that was, that was stylized right. um, and cinematic in a different way. Right. So... So you didn't see what happened. It kind of was like you saw some, you know, some you see, bricks and right, some... Right, bricks and, and like a purse, right, going by. And then you see the kind of obscured view of them afterwards. Right. That that scene, the first march across the bridge, the first attempt. Yeah. It, I, I mean, visceral is the perfect word, right? Like you can hear about that. Yep. You can learn about that at school or mm -hmm. not. I mean, maybe right. you wouldn't. Um, right. But when you see it, and you see it well done, is that? I mean, maybe that's where you're going. Like it's it's well done, so that you feel it in a different way and take it in and learn from it yeah. in a different way. You can you can feel the punches. You can see mm -hmm. this sea of of uh, you know blue coming yep. at the people that are marching across. It's John Lewis and um, Abernathy. Right. Are in the front. Or uh, maybe it was... Oh, I think no, it was Hosea Williams. Right. Yep. Hosea. Reverend Hosea Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, are the front two. Yeah. And they're just standing there. And like, it's like, you know, 
what's going to happen. And here, here's the thing is like uh, on the DVD or the DVD, the bonus features, uh-huh. they have like the original newsreels and like the original right. news footage, you know, like yeah, which you can just see on mm-hmm. YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is like, this is not dramatized. Mm-hmm. It's cinematic in the way they filmed it. Okay. Just making it, making it feel like, you know, real um, and big. Uh-huh. Um, but also it's like, this is what actually happened. And since they make it feel so visceral, so just in the movie way that they can do it, you're like, I can't believe mm. this happened. And and here's here's my here's what I was thinking and why I started weeping back in August mm-hmm. when we were talking about this at very first. Is yeah. I don't understand, and we, we're not gonna be able to figure this out right now, but I don't understand how there are two sides to this story. <laughs> That's what I told you. Yeah, is, I know. Yeah. I don't why would I'm you a, why would you choose to be yep a bad guy in this in this story um uh, yeah it it's like we can't revise history we need yeah. to look at it mm-hmm. so that we can learn from it that's in that good trouble documentary with john lewis he's like i'm afraid we will lose it he's like yeah. that is my nightmare is that we will lose lose the democracy that we have and so it's like so that's that's why this is my first piece of evidence is like she made it in such a way yeah. that you felt like you were there and you can't look away from it. Like it's one of those things you kind of, you know, part of you like would like to look away from it. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. I don't want to know that that happened, but you have to. Yeah. I remember when I was uh, a young, mu- um, a young movie consumer, mm-hmm. um, I hated movies about racial tension and racial abuse. And I hated Mm -hmm. watching them. Mm -hmm. And so I would avoid them because I didn't want to watch those kind of movies. And if there was a movie that I was supposed to watch about that, like say for school, I was so thankful if those scenes were small and got over quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I had that choice whether to engage in it or not. (laughs) Um, Right. And often I would disengage. But I I think that directors probably have a choice to how much they're going to show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I, this, this is going along with your evidence that it's, it's cinematic without being exploitative. Is that the word? Sure. Um, so yep. she could have made a choice, which I think some biopics and historical movies make, which is just to show the original footage. I, yeah. I sure. think that, I think that Oliver Stone does that in JFK. If I'm right of the actual shooting of JFK, he chooses oh, not yeah. to. Um, I could be totally wrong. This is just something I remember. He just he shows a lot of original footage, um, sure, not on a TV in the background, but as a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a fear that if we, if it's in color, if there's if there's camera choices, that that mm-hmm. then feels a little bit more intrusive, um, or like we're exploiting this. That that doesn't feel like that to me, it, and that that must be so hard to do yeah. as a director. Where's the line right. here to make people feel this viscerally, but not to make them disgusted with the filmmakers sure. for doing it a certain way? Yeah. Well, they she just she put the cameras in the place that mm-hmm. and 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 blocked the scene to make mm-hmm. it feel so real. I mean, they probably I'm sure they dissected those um, those original shots right and with the production designers. Uh, just 
like let's let's make the bridge look exactly the same. I mean, they filmed a yeah. bunch of stuff on location. Um, right. I mean, that must have been the actual you, bridge, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. I mean, oh, man, it's incredible. Like even at the end of that Good Trouble documentary, like when Obama goes and speaks there. Yeah. Like just thinking about 50, 50 years, mm-hmm. what a difference where they're taking that first, mar- first march across. Yeah. Uh, John Lewis is at the front. He's he's beaten. Um, and then 50 years later, a black president stands right mm-hmm. there. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I was wondering that about location shoots. I suppose that there's technology right now that those could not have, I mean, they could have easily faked that, but I, my my guess is that there was, they, they were in Selma for some of the shooting of this movie. Yeah, I think so. And they did a good, good bit in Atlanta, I saw, um, and they made some things like they tried to make it look like other places, right. yep. um, you know, so... Just the Atlanta is the, the movies, place to do it, right? That's totally that's like Atlanta is now the Hollywood <laughs> yeah. of the of totally. the South. It's crazy. Yeah, this is it, and <laughs> and it's and it was, uh, you know, it was where Martin Luther King Jr. was living. Mm-hmm. Um, it was where you know it was where yeah. a lot of this happened. So totally, that's awesome. Okay, let me let me chunk in as as we're talking about cinematic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my my evidence, uh. So just stick with me here. I think mm-hmm. this is the perfect biopic. Mm. Um, we've done some biopics, right? Um, historical biopics. We've done some more recent biopics like The Farewell, right? Like, um, and, and so I think we have some experience in this so far. Uh, Selma, I'll tell you why I think Selma is the perfect biopic. And I think I'll pick one of these many evidences that I have because I think okay. that... The, the, the thing that I love about this kind of biopic is that it is not a birth to death by assassination story of Martin Luther King. Right. Mm-hmm. It chooses one, like the back of the Blu-ray said, one three-month period of his life. Yeah. And tells that story. Yeah. It, it focuses, focuses on one key event mm-hmm. and focuses on the lead up to that event. And so I think it's a more effective portrayal of Martin Luther King and what happened around him during the civil rights movement than it would have been if it, if it had been like, and he was born on this day and here's sure. his rise in politics and here's his rise as an activist and then um, he was assassinated. So there yep. are movies like that, right? I mean, we saw Malcolm X in the Orpheum in high school, right. we were probably yeah. in the same. That's a movie that we saw in the same room, but not together. Uh-huh. I'm assuming. Yep, um, for sure. That one is rise to political power to assassination. I think of um, Milk is a movie like that too, where Harvey Milk's story is told from rise to activism to assassination. There's a lot of movies like that. Um, sure. I prefer a movie like this or like Lincoln, which I mm. thought a lot about the first time I saw Selma. Which hmm. is they chose one. It, everybody knows Lincoln was born in a log cabin and he failed a lot, and then he was assassinated, right? Right. Yeah. But uh, uh, choosing one small section of his life in that movie was the best way to go. Somebody like yeah. Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King are just too. They're they're just too big. 
They're right. like Oprah in <laughs> Wrinkle in Time. They're just too, it's, they're too <laughs> massive to yeah. make a, a, a movie about their whole lives. And so making a movie about one thing that gives you a full understanding of who they are. Yeah. Um, what was the best choice? And not even calling it King. Yeah. Totally. I don't think Lincoln should have been called Lincoln. Because hmm. I think then you get the idea that it is going to be like, um, he grew really tall and put on a hat. Right. Born in Kentucky. <laughs> raised in Illinois. Yeah. Right. Like, exactly. Totally. Um, and, and so that, that, I don't know what they would have called that movie, but um, I like that this movie is called Selma. It's not called mm-hmm. King. Um, yeah. Also, you get 20, 25 minutes in the middle of the movie where you don't even see him. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And so the in the in those those bonus features, mm-hmm. um, they were talking to the writer Paul Webb, right? Um, and both both him and Duvernay mm-hmm. uh, were saying that you don't need like sometimes in biopics like this they'll take multiple real life characters and kind of like meld them together to right. make drama, mm-hmm. and they were like everything that they said like you know as accurately as possible is what happened. And they didn't do any of those like congeal multiple characters into one in order to create drama. Cause they were like, there's already so much perfect drama (laughs) built in that we, we didn't have to, you know, uh, raise the stakes in any way. They were like, we just, you know, did our best to distill it down uh, to the way it was. And then as best we can in two hours and eight minutes, you know, well, and because they picked that three month period, Mm -hmm. They, they weren't dealing with everybody that has ever been in Martin Luther King's life, right? right. And so yeah. they could say there's a story to be told with all the people that we want to tell the story with right here. And, mm-hmm. and so we don't have to uh, we don't have to do any of those cheats that a longer right. biopic would do. Um, yeah. And so getting get putting it all in that brief time, basically um, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing to mm. the speech outside of the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, in, in Birmingham. Um, they, what, are pe- what do most people know? I mean, maybe I'm painting it with too wide a brush, but what do most people know about Martin Luther King? He gave the I Have a Dream speech. Yep. He led the civil rights movement and he was assassinated. Yep. And you don't, th- you don't see the I Have a Dream speech. Dude, that... That's incredible. And you you get you get you get the tag at the end that he was 39 and he got assassinated. Um, but you don't see it. And so when you come into a Martin Luther King movie, you're expecting those things, but it's so much richer this yep. movie because you don't see what everybody knows already. Totally. This is kind of a gross analogy, but it's like uh in Solo, right? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. like, "Oh, the castle runs coming up." <laughs> You know, like the thing we've yes. been wondering about since we were like zero years old, right? So, like, um, that that's that's a dumb analogy, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I do, I do know now, what you're saying. LBJ did mention like him and his dream or something. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody there was a line like that, and that was the only mention of it, right? Um, so I really like the choice. Maybe that's what I'm saying. My my evidence is the choice to not tell his full story. Yeah. But to trust the to trust the audience that you will learn what we want to we want you to learn about Martin Luther King from this three month period um, is a bold choice, especially with somebody like MLK. Um, yes, 
Ava DuVernay made it. The writer Paul, what was his name? Paul Webb, did you say? Paul Webb, yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. made that choice. And I think it works so well and makes for a much more interesting uh, and a consumable movie Mm -hmm. that you can come out of and say, okay, what does this mean for my life? Yeah. Instead of, okay, that was too much information and I'm done with that. Totally. What what does it mean for my life and what side Mm -hmm. of history do I want to be on? Right. Honestly, when when you see it that viscerally, when you yep. see it on that bridge, you're like, mm-hmm. "Dang." Um, okay, so she that, tells that it leads- with such clarity, and with both of those things that we just said, it just totally. adds so much clarity to those kinds of things coming out of the movie at the end. Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, honestly, it's actually simplified, right? It's distilled oh, yeah. down to like one event. Yes, definitely. Yep. Yep. So along along those lines, dude, I'm gonna chunk in here. Okay. Not only did it simplify it down to three months, mm-hmm. it really simplified it down to one issue. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you're right. Which is voting, which is, like Oprah said, we need to see, we need to feel. What is the point of a vote? It is so that people can be seen, people can mm-hmm. be heard from, people can yep. be represented. And yeah. that was... That that it wasn't a whole ton of issues. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's way more complicated than this. Yeah. But for the purposes of this movie, mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't a sit-in section, right? Uh, that, you know that's what pr- I mean? that's another thing everybody knows yeah. about MLK. Maybe the <laughs> right. sit-ins, right? And so that sure. that seems and that seems like the easiest thing to film. You don't get any, you don't get any of that in this movie. Like, what a choice totally. to make! It's, totally. it's amazing. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's distilled down because it's like you can you can get that everywhere else. We are going to introduce you. I mean, you know, Amadeus is another example, actually, where you yep. kind of like get to know his life. But really, the last, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour is basically about him dying, right? Spoiler Yeah, alert. definitely. You're right. And 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 Hamilton, right? That's rise to political power yep. to assassination. The, the, yep. those, are, those are the movies and, and stories that we hear a lot. I, I, I mean, I got goosebumps when you said it, Anthony, because I think hmm. what Ava... DuVernay does with the movie mm-hmm. is mirroring what uh, Dr. King is doing with the issue. He's mm. saying, we can't, we're going to focus on this one thing, the vote. Yep. And people totally. have an issue with him about that throughout the whole movie. Totally. He, LBJ does, right? <laughs> right. Like, haven't right. you got what you want? Now you're going to focus on this or just like, let it go. And mm-hmm. he, and he knows you got to pick one thing. Mm-hmm. You got to pick one building. Yeah. One bridge. And, and one you got to focus on that so that people understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just such a cool mirroring of filmmaking to what was actually happening there. That's incredible. Yeah. And even in the even in the way that they filmed it, they started after the church mm-hmm. horrific scene. Uh, right. I can't remember which one came first, but then the voting scene um mm-hmm. with with Oprah as yep. Annie Lee Cooper. Like right. a, a, that true story of, mm-hmm. um, you know, she is denied the right to vote. And so like seeing it very, like, this is something else they said in the cinematic way, they made it mm-hmm. big and they also made it really, really small. Right. Like these, like both that scene and the grandfather scene with Jimmy Jackson was mm-hmm. same actor as Get Out. The, the, the Get Out, right? He's yeah. the Get Out screamer. Right. <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield. Yep. I love that dude. See, and that that's like when when now Get Out makes more sense to me. That casting huh. makes more sense to me, actually. Um, it, it, it is a crazy kind of like same 
there's so much overlap between those two characters. Wow. Totally. When you bring, I I think I heard somebody talking about this, like where an actor actually brings with them something from each movie, Mm -hmm. um, not only themselves, but also as a viewer. And you're like, that guy has a history. So now get out him being there uh, makes even more sense. But that very intimate scene with MLK Mm -hmm. and the grandfather, um, you know, he was like, God cries first mm-hmm. for your grandson. Um, so the cinematic scope and then also the the really, really zoomed in um, was incredible. Kind of intimate moments between, yeah, I mean, that that actor playing that old dude mm-hmm. come, comes off, and I want to say this in the nicest way possible, comes off as he's not an actor. He's just yes. an 84-year-old guy. Mm-hmm who probably remembers, like mm-hmm. I'm talking about the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> lived through the 60s. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, he, he probably, he's, I've never seen him in anything. <laughs> I didn't recognize this guy, but I was like immediate connection with him. And I think there was a lot of care put into those small, like you're saying, intimate moments. Um, I think that's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Um, Dude, so a lot of this movie, um, it's all in Selma and it's in in Atlanta. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a great friend here in Atlanta. Right. um, That actually works as a community developer um, in the area in Sweet Auburn uh, where Dr. King was born and lived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we bring him on? Yeah, let's do it. I can't wait. Um, so we're welcoming to Perfect Movie, the two gomers. Um, we're welcoming my friend Donnell Q. Woodson, um, who lives in the Sweet Auburn district of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Donnell is a dad, a husband, a dog dad, right? You just got a yeah, puppy. Yeah. And oh, also uh, a door holder at Passion City Church with me and um, is a community developer and... Dude, Donnell, seriously, thanks so much for being willing to come on and and chat. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Thanks for having me to you and to Steven. Um, good friendship and good relationship can draw me out or into um, most anything. And so you should feel privileged that you got me. <laughs> and we, I mean, we may have a past, even though we've just met today, Donnell. Yeah. Both, both of us, uh, you... you have been on staff with InterVarsity, the organization I work with. Yeah. Here's a little game I like to play with people when I find out they've been on staff. Uh-oh. What is the smallest room we've been in together without meeting? Um, so I'm assuming you've been to an Urbana conference. Is that right? Um, uh, you know what? This is for the longevity that I've had with InterVarsity. I never did Urbana. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we've never been in the same room together. I thought maybe that would not. be an easy one. Yeah. I was going to ask, <laughs> is this like personal to you and I um, or just an inner varsity who likes to put people in small rooms? <laughs> no, no. I'm just, I just think you work in this organization. It's got thousands of people in it. Yeah. My guess is at some point we passed each other in a hallway yes. or like we're at a conference together, but just never met. Um, so we have a connection 
But you and Anthony are friends. Me and yeah. Anthony are friends. So that's our main connection at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a varsity has like deep roots um, and the kind of identity and makeup, career and mm. um, time doing ministry for me. So um, yeah, it's core to who I am. It mm-hmm. remained on my like signature um, for a good year and a half after um, leaving <laughs> yeah. staff. So, um, you know, I, th- I felt like I was born into um, the world of in uh, varsity and can't get rid of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how it works. So, so we're family, man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. It's, it's great to meet you. I think that um, as we do movies like Selma, um, that that feel a little bit outside of well a little bit a lot I don't know outside of me and Anthony's experience we we love having voices on um, to to you know converse with learn from um, and, and so when Anthony told me that you live in the district right I mean you you live yeah. you live in like Dr King's hometown is that right like like tell me a little bit about yeah that. so hometown of Atlanta. Georgia mm-hmm. and live literally I am looking out the window and can see the rooftop of the home that he um, was born in wow. he and all of his siblings um, so there is where the National Historic Park for mm. Dr. King is. Um, wow. It's in a neighborhood called uh, the Old Fourth Ward. So originally Atlanta um, was broken into these wards. So it's the one that has maintained um, that name. But then mm-hmm. the, within that larger neighborhood is this smaller um, 1.67 mile um, radius called Sweet Auburn. And that's the neighborhood where his home is. Um, where the monument, uh, the uh, national park, but then also where he and his uh, wife um, are encrypted now. Oh, right. Um, as well. Mm. And Ebenezer, wow. the church where he co pastored with his uh, dad. Mm-hmm. Um, little known fact is that it's also um, the church where just shortly after um, his uh, mother was assassinated playing the organ and um, yeah and city Atlanta where um, brother his sister is still living so it has deep um, roots and um, the corporation um, that his wife Coretta founded uh, in 1989 um, a corporation to do um strategic development for Sweet Auburn, not just to create a national park in his memory and in his honor, um, but to also preserve the the fabric of the neighborhood and to care for the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, That corporation built my wife and I's um, home, and we got to step into the Mm. end of that when we were purchasing the home. Um, I now sit on the board of directors of that um, uh, corporation alongside um, his um, uh, daughter-in-law, he, Dr. King's daughter-in-law. Yeah, so just deep roots. Um, yeah. that uh, wow. overlap yeah. the king. His sister, only living sibling, Dr. Christine, uh, 
Farrah King is still alive, uh, wow. uh, professor emeritus of Spelman College. Um, you can walk a block from my house um, to Auburn Avenue and see her walking across the street to church wow. every Sunday. So wow. yeah. You're, li- you're living right there, right? It's, it's, all, it's all around you. Yeah, man. I can't escape it, even if I try. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, the, where we just left off in, in the episode we were talking about was that um, in the movie Selma, the kind of like the core issue that they simplified it down to was voting rights, right? Yeah. And... It's just interesting to me that 55, 56 years later, here we are in Atlanta and there's like there's still voter suppression in the headlines. I mean, at the end of the movie, LBJ signs the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And then, uh, you know, then we lead right into good trouble where that very act was actually in like 2013, something like that. Basically, the Supreme Court like stripped it of stripped it of its teeth. Um, and I was just wondering, um, just if you could share with us some of your thoughts on that and this year, even. Yeah, I think that you know that we are these many decades later mm-hmm. still having to bring up. In America, let me qualify what I'm about Mm -hmm. to say, in America, that we are still needing to bring up um, this civil rights issue, right? Mm -hmm. When in America, we were able to address it as hard Mm -hmm. as it was, as clear as Hollywood and uh, Miss Ava could do, we still, that we're still here Um, having this conversation Mm -hmm. and having experienced the last few weeks, the last year, two years around this issue, for me is jaw-dropping. Like, I can't, when I consider, not just the the depiction of Selma, which I think was helpful for me and a generation that is so, feels so far removed from that. Right. But yet, at the same time, feel like we've been handed issues around voting and voter suppression um, um, that we're trying to grapple with while simultaneously saying, didn't you guys already figure this crap out? Hmm. Um, Wow, yeah. Didn't we bring this to a resolution? And like, Hmm. so why are we here again? Um, And yeah, um, that for me, um, I think I, I, I end up in that space dumbfounded that we're here mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 2021. But at the same time, I think clear on this truth, that the, the issue that we're dealing with today in 2021 around voting and voting uh, suppression is not the glamorized Hollywood version mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that issue existed, we remedied it, and it's not a problem anymore. And Got that's it, not yeah. my responsibility, right? Um, I, th- I think I get what you're saying, that like when you watch a movie like Selma, at the beginning, Oprah goes in and she can't vote, mm-hmm. right? She's being suppressed. Mm-hmm. You see that clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, then by the end of the movie, a, a bill is signed, 
something happens politically, and now Oprah can vote, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think that that's Hollywood, like we said, that's a movie. And so maybe I'm just asking for a clarification. Are, yeah. are you saying that's too simple? Are you saying that's too clean? Like it doesn't... No, I think it... Um, I'm saying that I think it did what it needed mm-hmm. to do, yeah. arguably. And it also did only what it could do. Um, right, okay. Right? Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I think the, so. You, you can't... Um, there's a truth that I think Hollywood can bring to bear in just mm-hmm. committing to tell the raw story, to like right. not hold, not censor, um, you know, the magnitude of the pain of it, um, mm-hmm. the, the reality, um, the beauty of the anger, um, the beauty of um, the beating. And I'm tying those together um, sure. so that like for this reason, that we, that live tension that comes out of just seeing a really well-done film and mm-hmm. what it causes you to do, um, to experience emotionally in all parts of your makeup, right? Yeah. I think that I'm saying clearly that it did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Oscar, all of that is what I, in my personal opinion, think uh, like all the accolades necessary um, or that could be given should be given, right, right? Um, is right. my personal opinion. But what it cannot do, it's limited in doing, is moving the needle on any of those um, deep Rooted issues, the civil issues, the um, uh, you know humanitarian issues that are lifted to the top, um, that are um, highlighted, the emotion that it evokes in you, right? Um, yeah. Whether that is anger or um, uh, whatever it does, it cannot do anything with that, but mm-hmm. just cause them to uh, come to bear, right? It's your responsibility, mm-hmm. in my right. opinion, to mm. do something with that afterwards. Um, and we could talk forever about what do you do with it then, right? <laughs> but I think um, for me, in my humble opinion, um, it executed what it was supposed to do well, but then it also, by the sheer nature of film, is limited on what it really could do, right? I, I wonder um, if... Um... I've I've thought about this 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 thing that you're saying, which is that um, a movie like this does, to a certain extent, put the onus then on the viewer. What are you going to do next? Um, uh, is the is there something that a movie could do <laughs> to to make sure that that happens? Like during the credits, like the credits roll on the left side and on the right side. Here are some organizations to contact. Here are some. Uh, here are some further books to read that like, I, I, I don't know. I've thought about it a lot. Is that the film's responsibility or is it just like, here's a, here's two hours of raising your awareness and please God, let the person that's watching it take action afterwards <laughs> or have the wherewithal to contact the right people about what they should do. Yeah. I think that is, it is that. And then, more like yes, it could be th- that could be an innovative idea to mm-hmm. like you know move the needle forward on action right after a movie like that right um, but also I think um, 
apart from it being tied to, I'm going to pull on kind of my field here, is um, tied to like grassroots granular efforts Mm -hmm. to bring about change. Um, Those efforts of putting up like an organization to fund, right, um, right, are futile. Yeah. Um, they will make you feel good and at least mm-hmm. know where to place your um, emotions in that moment, right? And it it almost is. Um, arg- it could, you could argue that it would be a good attempt, um, a good means by which you would absolve yourself of any. Right further responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. I could check mm-hmm. that box and be done. Wow. And yeah. see, I did a good thing and I just go on, right? Um, I think it connecting it to um, that more granular, grassroots, civic realm means that you're going to, um, if, I, if, if the attempt or whatever is brought to um, bear in that moment at the end of a Selma connects me to where I am geographically, yeah, to things yeah. and people and places that matter to me, it's a lot harder for me to um, get out of that, right? Yeah. All, all of us, America, we're, we're, we're one of the things we do really well is like getting around and out of stuff, right? Um, that we don't yeah. want to do. <laughs> um, and that's always going to be the case, but I think you could present, this is one means by which, my point, um, you could um, draw in. So in our, in our work, we're always thinking about um, how do we think more um, uh, geocentric mm-hmm. um, about an issue like voter suppression. Yeah. So this is the, the phenomenon of how Selma and what the movie, that one thing that it's highlighting, which I would argue, I think it's highlighting more than the one thing um, but it's using it as the like the carrot to dangle before you right. um, to try sure. so that you get a taste of it and you want more, but you wouldn't have never said, I want more if you recognize what was behind um, yeah. that and the next ones, right? And so um, in Atlanta, what we did was, I think we began to, we meaning as a city mm-hmm. and um, as... Demographics who, um, leaders in demographics who felt like we um, were a part of those who were having our votes censored and um, were um, experiencing some of this voter um, suppression. And those who, like me, who do um, city planning and development and work hyper-local in impoverished um, communities within the mm-hmm. urban core of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So we feel like our work represents those the, those demographics of people who are being oppressed. What we did was we used a movie like Selma to kind of reposition mm-hmm. ourselves and remind us of what has gone before. Like, yeah. um, you know, we got to see, I, I mentioned getting to see all of these people um, work where um, I live, that's mm-hmm. a national park. Um, having close proximity to um, Congressman John Lewis um, mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. last five to eight years of, of my life. Um, and um, so the kind of glorified view of him in Selma 
coming across that bridge yeah. was a good reminder of when I got to the table, literal, the literal table in Sweet Auburn of this corporation. I'm sitting to talk about housing, um, the cost of living, the area uh-huh. medium income, and how it's boxing out certain demographics within Atlanta. And in walks the congressman to like share oh. some advice, right? Or I'm like oh. going to the Equitable Building in Atlanta where his office is and getting to listen to firsthand his thoughts about these issues. Um, it reminds me of my place. Uh-huh. In this, hmm. in this saga, right? Is it is it intimidating? Like it reminds you that you are that you're you're in the you're in the presence of this giant, right, John Lewis? Yeah. It, are you are you saying it puts you in your place, or it reminds you of your place? It reminds me of better said my role. Okay. In this place, mm. place meaning geographic location, place meaning um, storyline of still having to deal with the issues of voting Mm -hmm. 55 years later um, in a city like Atlanta that's bedrock of civil rights movement, Mm -hmm. um, in a neighborhood like um, I live in that's this historic one. Um, My place in the story that this is still an issue that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. And yes, he is um, uh, was iconic. Yes, um, you know, Andrew um, Young was iconic. All these like figures, right, mm-hmm. um, are iconic, but they were just people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you, um, there is reverence to, you know, what they've been able to do, but they will very quickly... Um, if you try to approach the conversation in that manner, right, they will very quickly remind you um, of who they are as everyday people and then remind you that it was just a desire to see change paired with this emotion of kind of enough is enough. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the reality is if I don't step into this, and be a part of what's happening in place, it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. And so wow. since that is reality, I can't be enamored in his language with just who Martin Luther King is in this moment, right? Mm. I yeah. have to revere the fact that like, he called me to Atlanta. I'm speaking from John uh, Lewis's perspective, right? He called me to Atlanta and I got off a bus and met him on Auburn Avenue and I served this like, great role for him. But he was passing a baton to me and mm. saying mm. and asking me, what's your responsibility? What's your place in this narrative, in this saga? Um, what will you do? when the baton is handed to you. And likewise, he's saying to us. So in that moment of me listening and sitting in his presence and those um, leaders, like I, re- I recognize that they're asking me, what's your role in this? What's your responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and for me, it means that um, I then have to do the like internal questions to ask myself, like how do I represent, um, take the baton and represent them well, but also... How do I live out my own responsibility right now in my yeah. career, my profession? I'm being paid yeah. um, to do this this work, right? Um, um, and I'm also deeply impacted in my person. I'm a brown, an African-American male, um, a father, um, and a husband of a really successful African-American woman. And um, yet we are living in this reality mm-hmm. um, of... We too are in um, the demographic of those who are being um, 
their vote is being suppressed, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there's a responsibility for me, and I'm more grappling with that in real time than like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sitting in the presence of this amazing man, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a little starstruck <laughs> right now, knowing that you were... So that just makes me wonder what a movie like Selma can and can't do, mm -hmm. right? The role of that movie. Um, we, we're doing Selma, so I'm assuming a lot of our listeners are going to watch this movie maybe for the first time. They're going to be feeling things at the end of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to try to ask this question without falling into the trap <laughs> that I would normally feel, which is to say, well, then how do I act after the movie to assuage any guilt that I feel? That's not what I'm asking. Right. But like, <laughs> right. well, I, I think, Danelle, what, what, I'd like, what I'd like to hear from you and I think would be helpful for listeners that have maybe seen a movie like this for the first time um, uh, you've met John Lewis, you've heard his words, you're part of his family, like you said. Um, what, what would you say to a person that has seen a movie like Selma and is feeling things strongly? Like um, th there isn't a credit sequence where there, it tells them what to do, right? Mm -hmm. But I think our listeners would really benefit from um, from maybe some words about like, what what would you say to somebody who, is done watching Selma feel something very strongly, um, not to assuage guilt or just to feel better, but what's an action that could be taken um, mm -hmm. for a person like that? Yeah. So the you know, psychology major in me would say this. I think um, there is benefit to lived tension. Mm -hmm. um, and so my first response would be, to lean into the lived tension mm -hmm. that you are experiencing, whatever that tension is, right? Yeah. And as it surfaces, it does so. Like we are made up uh, as human beings. Uh, we're, we're designed for those, when those things surface, uh -huh. um, for them to be a benefit to us. And yeah. so to suppress them is like, you know, counter um, what it was really intended to do for what it was intended to do. So I would right. say lean into them. Like, um, if, even if it is for the moment, you yourself processing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the, I think that leads me to the second point is that don't be so quick to need to just get out to another person. And I, here's where I would insert parenthetically kind of insert and especially don't be so quick to like lean into go finding uh to going to find a minority mm -hmm. um to like express those feelings to you should i'll say that mm -hmm. um as someone who's given their life to kind of cross-cultural um uh, relational building um but i think don't be so quick to do that why because uh in order to lead yourself to right action and what you're asking, I think you've got to know yourself. Like, you've got to know what it means for those feelings to, like, come uh, to surface and yeah. ask the question, the harder question of, like, why do I feel that when mm -hmm. it's surfacing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, if I'm angry, why am I angry about that, right? Understanding, and, and uh, I'll be that nerdy guy who's like, get a journal it, write it down, like, or pull out your iPhone and like jot it in notes or do a voice record, like um, say into the mic what you feel 
um, is calling, is calling, it's uh, surfacing, and then asking yourself and responding to yourself. Because then you could, you can from here lead yourself to the right action, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is my my third point is um, finding the right action, and I think um, comes from me in moments like this of being rooted in place. Um, I, I travel around the country, getting to do this work of um, uh, developing place um, mm-hmm. and and people toward um, in, in in my kind of thesis statement it really is toward flourishing and thriving or towards dr. King's ideal of the beloved community and um, I use those kind of lofty and, and those terms to make people my audience oftentimes um, ask the question well what is the beloved community mm-hmm. and and what is flourishing in place right and to and that's intentional. Um, because I then want you to do the due diligence to not just wait for my answer, but to to go figure that out for yourself, right? Love it. Yeah. Um, and not figure it out based on the expertise that I bring to the table, right? Um, as a consultant um, or a developer, but figure it out based on what it means for you in your place. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you got to be rooted in your place, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of what I described about um, uh, Sweet Auburn and um, uh, Old Fourth Ward and Atlanta um, isn't just by way of being versed to come on a podcast with you, right? right, um, right. We could be drinking some bourbon or, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, a dark beer at yep. um, a brewery recently, right? Come on. Um, <laughs> and it will come out of me. You don't have to prompt me, right? right. Yep. Because it's a yep. part of who, it's part of DNA. And yep. um, to know Donnell is to know how I'm rooted in my place, like uh-huh. how I'm rooted in my block, how I'm rooted in um, my neighborhood, the issues mm. that pertain to those, the people, right? Um, to know me, you're going to begin to know those people and those issues and how we're remedying those, right? And so um, for me, rather than that third part of what you should do, based on a film like this, mm-hmm. is after you've internally processed and you now know how to lead yourself, like begin to have those conversations, but have them rightly. Have them as they pertain to mm-hmm. your place, right. your um, geographic location, and the issues that are happening there. And you could tie them back upstream to, in this case, with Selma voting. Right? right, and asking yep. those hard questions. But I promise you, the when you get an answer to that particular issue, what happens is the door opens wide to a bunch of other things yeah. that either you had already seen or were unbeknownst to you. Right, mm-hmm. and and so rather than trying to, for me, in a, a moment like the first two weeks of January, trying to resolve the larger issue mm-hmm. around voting. Um, I turn to my place, to where mm. I'm rooted, right? Yeah. Um, and I begin to think about these things as it pertains to my particular place and geographic location. And I'm hoping that in my work, um, in my you know um, relationships with other friends and people around country and around globe, that I'm inspiring you to think about and do the same in yours, right? And the yeah. collect collective of that kind of good trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. is, I think, what gets us to that act, um, uh, that voting act, right? Yeah. Um, but the, um, think, the thought that we just need to do this one thing 
to mm-hmm. absolve us of whatever the issue is, um, is what leads to the fact that um, Anthony talked about 2013, right? He just took the teeth out of that, right? Um, And so this was Georgia right now. This was us in Atlanta recognizing that we want that to never be the case again. Mm -hmm. And so two years ago, post the the, um, failed election for um, Stacey Abrams, Mm -hmm. she turned and went back to like grassroots, Yep. dug her teeth into like what does it mean for the city of Atlanta if there are growing almost 600,000 people in the urban core of Atlanta and then millions around the, the metro Atlanta and this issue is really a thing then we need to discover to discover what the thing is hmm. and then we need to go deep with each one of those areas, whether it's the urban core or the metro mm-hmm. of Atlanta. And mm-hmm. when and she recognized, I don't need to just do that by myself. I need to be thinking about how I empower the civic leaders, those um, uh, legislative leaders in those particular places, and then connecting them to right partnership um, at, the higher, at the state level and then on up, right? Yeah. That yielded multiple years later, 2020, Right. An election that turned the state blue <laughs> yeah. and then that put Democrats in um, a seat. It Was it um, because of like a Selma, a moment, which, you know, many of us would think, felt, I felt like 2020 was the movie that just would never stop. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll get myself in good trouble when I say the presidency in honor of um, John Lewis. The presidency felt like this, right? Movie sure. that just would never turn it off. Will it ever stop? Um, and, you know, um, but simultaneously, I had to discover within that, like, what's my role? Again, mm-hmm. right. back to the admonishment of John Lewis. What's your role in this? Mm-hmm. And so it meant that I had to begin to ask that question um, the, I often say this, the narrative and myths that we believe about people and place, they matter. Mm. Mm. And there was a narrative and a myth that people believed when it came to voting um, about Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this iconic one that brought about the civil rights movement that would yield voters, the, the Voting Act and a John Lewis, all of that, right? But then time kind of stops um, and then it turns downhill from there. And yeah. now there are hundreds of thousands of people who look like John Lewis and um, Dr. King who seemingly don't even care about this effort that a leader like a John Lewis had done. And they take it for granted, their hmm. privilege I've heard in many conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the ask of, okay, yes, is that true? Um, and then the movement for me personally and leaders like Stacey Abrams and all of these other folks is to turn and get proximate. Yeah. There's a writer, Brian Stevenson, who says, um, who did the film Just Mercy. Yep. He says, you can't understand things from afar, right? That mm. you've got to get close. Mm-hmm. So what I'm describing here and the action of what you should do at the end of the movie with those emotions is you've got to get proximate. You got to get close, right? So after you know yourself to lead yourself, then get close to it in your area um, and let that be guidepost for the next steps that you take. That's amazing. So wow. helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, it, uh, and yeah, it just, I mean, a lot to chew on, obviously. Uh, I, I think that 
<laughs> I, I will tell you, sometimes the movie's done. And I'm yeah. just like, I've done my part. I watched Thelma, right? Yeah. Or I've done my part. Yeah. I read Good Trouble. Yeah. Um, it's really helpful. And I think th there's, a, there's a, a, a little freeing to me to hear, root yourself in your place, love where you are, understand what would make the place you're in flourish and become that beloved community mm -hmm. that is a little bit more freeing to me than saying, how can I be just like Dr. King? Mm -hmm. Or how mm -hmm. can I be just like John Lewis? They started in their place as well. Stacey Abrams started in her place as well and then changes the game. Mm -hmm. um, and there's millions of people that started in the place where they are and didn't change the big game, but still did so much good. Future Anthony, the producer here. Wow. I hope you all have been loving hearing Dunnell's heart and experience and perspective as much as Stephen and I did. We chatted so much more about John Lewis's graphic novel, the movie Good Trouble, and Donnell's experience working in real time with John Lewis and others, but we thought this was a great place to pause and end this episode. We will be releasing the Selma Results Show in two weeks on our Patreon feed at patreon.com slash twogomers, and we'll include the rest of this amazing discussion there. So much fun happening there. Would love to have you all join us there. Let me send it back to the episode already in progress. I guess I'm passing it back to me. Here we go. Donnell, thanks so much for being for being here, for chatting with us. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I got to introduce you to Steven and Steven to you. Yeah, um, Because amazing. I knew you so guys good. would basically hit it off. And <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it makes me wish that Steven uh, was in Atlanta sometimes so that we could meet at Three Taverns or Golden Or you guys could move to Flagstaff. I mean, either way. Right. Or, oh. the, or the former. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, proximity. Um, yeah, yeah. You're rooted, I suppose. I should have been listening. Right. Come on. Did you not get the point? <laughs> no moving at all. We're all rooted. Nope. Be rooted. And that's what's so cool about Zoom, man. Mm -hmm. So we can jump on. Yeah. And we can even have proximity across 2,000 miles, um, mm -hmm. which oh, is actually pretty amazing. So, Donnell, thanks so much. I look forward to uh, another bourbon barrel aged uh, or something soon. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephen, hey, it's great talking about Selma. Good trouble. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put up a poll pretty quick um, for people to vote what they think is Selma perfect movie. It's in your hands now, listener. Um, obviously, you know, we start some of these conversations and it just feels like we could keep going and going. Yeah. That's, I, I feel like that's part of the tension, right? That yeah. Donnell was encouraging us to, uh, to press into what more do I want to hear? What more do I want to know? Um, how can I be further kind of rooted in my community so that I can help it flourish? Um, huge questions we're not done talking about. Uh, thanks to, thanks to you, listener. Um, get on our Insta website. Facebook or Twitter, all that is two gomers. Uh, tell us what you think. Let us know what you think, including whether you think this is a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, our next movie, taking a hard right to Forrest Gump. Also, also a political movie. I mean, it we watched Forrest is. Gump the other day and I was like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> so I'm sure maybe we can pull some of Selma into that Forrest Gump pull conversation. It. Who knows? Do right. Do it. I like it. Get in some good trouble with it. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll do that. All right. Great app. Super fun, man. Thanks again, Donnell. Yeah. Thanks again, dude. Thank you guys for having me. Take care. All right. 
and happy viewing. You've been listening to the Perfect Movie Podcast, presented by the two Gomers. Thank you, Jason Coy, for graphic design, Adam Dilling for web support, and Davis Harwell for original music. And thank you for listening. See you next time for Forrest Gump.